you guys are more than welcome to join in the sidebar and comment as we go along. We're going to try something new out today. I've got a couple questions at the end, and since we're not encouraging people to gather right now, uh, if you would like to interact with those questions, I'll stay on a little bit and we can kind of talk, talk through them. So that is an option for you. But let's go ahead and get started uh, with a word of prayer during this crazy time. It's been my prayer for you guys that you would just be in this season really pressing into the Lord, uh, that you would rely more and more on his faithfulness, on his goodness, on his kindness. Hebrews, I think, 13.8 says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. And I just want to pray that prayer over you guys, that you would just know that no matter whether you're having an amazing time, uh, I've heard people have been buying houses in our community, or uh, whether you are having a time that is filled with more battles of anxiety and fear over what is going on in the world, or maybe you're having grief in your life, that this can be just a reminder that we can all get together and agree upon the fact that God has not changed, that he is still the same, that he's the same as he was a year ago, he will be the same as he is today, and he'll be the same tomorrow too. Um, even if the earth passes away, Jesus Christ remains and he is strong and he is faithful and he is really in love with you. So if you guys would just join me in prayer right now, and even I would just encourage you just to praise the Lord out loud. Jesus, we just thank you and praise you. God, you are good. You are holy. You are just. You are righteous. We submit ourselves to you, Jesus. Lord, whether the world feels like it's amazing and that we're on top of a mountain or whether we feel like we are in the deepest valley that we found ourselves, Lord, you remain, you remain good and you remain faithful, you remain constant, Lord. Jesus, I praise you that you are unchanging, that you are unshakable. Church, can we just agree that Jesus Christ is still amazing? If he does nothing else, Jesus, the fact that you came and you saved us with your own body as a sacrifice for our souls, that you paid a price that we could not pay. Lord, even if that's the only thing, and church, let me tell you, it's not the only thing, but even if it's the only thing that he ever did, it is worth praising him. And so we as a church that is definitely more scattered today than we were last week and more scattered today than we were a month ago for sure, we collectively praise you. We lift your name on high because you are worth it. You are amazing. You are awesome. And you are worthy to be praised today in this moment. And so we just take a moment and we praise you, Lord. Lord, position our hearts in a good place to receive what you would have to say to us via social media. God, I am grateful and thankful 
that you have let us live in this season where it's possible to be together via the internet, via Facebook. Whoever knew that we would praise your name for Facebook. But I just thank you, Lord, that we can be connected in that way. And Jesus, we just quiet ourselves before you now, and we say, Holy Spirit, come. Would you come to each of our places where we are residing? Would you fill each of us up to overflowing with the goodness of your spirit? I'm reminded of the Psalms that says, taste and see that God is good. Lord, would we just get a little taste of you and your goodness? Would we be able to see where you are in your word today as we come together and dive in? Thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you, Jesus, for what you've done. Thank you, Father, that you saw fit to create each one of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are with us. And we just ask these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Amen, church. I'm just imagining as an extreme extrovert that all of you just said amen back to me. So we're going to get started. Um, I'm going to go ahead and start with the word, but stay tuned. We have a couple messages afterwards, um, and they're really important. They're updates from New City and our leadership team, ways that we just really want to encourage you guys to stay connected, that we want to um, help enable you to feed yourselves spiritually during this time, um, even practical ways that we can help address needs, whether that be prayer needs or whether it be practical needs. So stay tuned afterwards for those announcements. But let's dive in. Last week in our series in Mark, Mel brought a word uh, from Mark 7. It was awesome. So thank you, Mel, for that. We discussed how the disciples in Mark 7 and the Pharisees were in arguments over washing their hands, ironically, during this coronavirus outbreak, and their utensils before they ate. But really, it wasn't just about wash your hands so you get the germs off. So we do recommend as New City Church for you to wash your hands. But last week, we dove in and we saw that this argument was really about a tradition that wasn't being kept. And Jesus really just pointed right to the heart of it and saying, uh, and calling out the Pharisees, why are you so upset that the disciples aren't practicing this tradition when really it's a tradition of man anyway? My father never wanted you to carry on a tradition like that. And so the, the question that we asked ourselves um, via mail last week was really this question of like, what traditions am I holding on to? Traditions that might be really awesome ones, but are traditions of men nonetheless and not traditions of the Lord. And then to go along with that, how do we replace that with knowing and being in the word so strongly that we can discern what the difference is between a tradition of man and a tradition of the Lord? Amen. Those traditions can become sin in our lives when we take the traditions of man and the way that they become sin is that we end up holding those things higher than we hold the word of God, right? And that's what we saw in that passage, that really the Pharisees were holding the tradition of man, which was the washing of hands and their utensils, higher than the tradition of God. And so is washing your hands bad? Absolutely not. Again, I'll say wash your hands, right? But 
I hope you've had time this week to kind of reflect, to go back to the Lord and just ask the Holy Spirit to reveal what's in your heart concerning traditions of men. And maybe even just maybe you've allowed Jesus to come in and encourage you with the ability to let those traditions go a little bit more and let him come in and allow him to establish his traditions in your heart. So this brings us to where we are today. We are going to be, if you want to open your Bibles with me, in Mark chapter 8, and we're starting in verse 27. So Mark chapter 8, starting in verse 27. And we've got quite a bit to cover today. So again, I'm going to go kind of paraphrase and uh, make a story style, if you will. So you can follow along. I would encourage you to read it by yourself uh, after this and really just have discussion. Zoom is a great way to do that. Uh, texting back and forth, calls, all those kinds of things, right? So we can be safe but still be in discussion. So Mark chapter 8, verse 27 We've seen, like I said last week, that Jesus, the Pharisees, and the disciples are in kind of this back and forth over traditions of men. And then we see Jesus go and perform all of these miracles, one after the other after the other. And we come to this part of the story, which is actually a really, really cool climactic part of the book of Mark, right? So if you imagine, at this point, they've done all these miracles, and now they're going somewhere else. They're taking a road trip, if you will, right? So it's Jesus and his disciples. And we've seen throughout Mark that Jesus acts a little bit differently right now, depending on who's around him. We've seen with the parables, right? He says the parable to a big crowd, right? The multitude we saw. But then he goes away with the disciples and he begins to explain what the parable meant. And this is no different, only this time they're road tripping while they're doing it, right? So you can just imagine they're all in the car and they're hanging out, right? There's no cell service at this point, And so they have nothing better to do than to talk, right? Because who's going to get on and update your Insta or your Snapchat story when you don't have anything else to do, right? Again, that's modern analogy. But just to get the picture in your head, Jesus and his disciples on a road trip, and they're just in conversation, right? So they're talking, walking along the road, and all of a sudden Jesus asks a seemingly simple question. And he's like, hey, you know, we've been going about this for a while now, and people are kind of knowing who I am. Who do people say I am? And the disciples are not at a loss for answers. So they answer things like, well, some people say you're Elijah. And some people say you're John the Baptist, right? And so Jesus is like, okay, that's all well and good. And then comes the crux. I love when Jesus takes a simple question and just like pins it to the heart, right? And so there's still like shallow, kind of lighthearted conversation about who people say Jesus is. And he's like, wait a second. And I just imagine like everything stops when he says, but who do you say I am? And the disciples have to think for a second. Because Jesus isn't sitting here telling the disciples to like recite the laws of Leviticus. And he's not telling the disciples to recount what just happened in the last city. Jesus is asking something of the disciples that he's never given them the answer to with his words. 
And so Jesus says, who do you say I am? That's in verse 29. And this is the climax of the story up to this point. So everything stopped and Jesus is waiting. And the disciples still again, they come forward and they are at no short answer for this. But how crazy is it? All of a sudden, there's like an enlightenment over the disciples and a moment of truth happens. And so Peter steps up and he's like, you're the Christ. Jesus is asking his disciples in order to discern their discernment about everything that's happened up to this point with him over the last year or so. The disciples answer correctly, right? Praise God. They are enlightened. They say, you are the Christ. The Christ, a title, meaning the anointed one, the chosen one. You're the Messiah. You are the one who has come to save God's people. You all, if this doesn't make you excited, it should. It gives me goosebumps because all of a sudden, Jesus is a way he's saying who do you say I am and he gives them the opportunity and they by the divine power of the Holy Spirit answer rightly you are the Messiah this is good news this is the gospel right and then Jesus tells them to be quiet <laughs> and that one is crazy to me they answer correctly it's the crux of the whole thing. And then he's like, okay, don't tell anybody about that. You were right, but don't tell anyone. Because I have more to tell you. So now we go into this next part of the story. And depending on the Bible version you have, it's separated by a little header. But really, I'm telling you, this might not be a separate conversation. This might be a continuance of the exact same conversation. So Jesus says, who do you say I am? Disciples say, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the one who is going to save us. Jesus like, be quiet. And in the next breath, he's like, by the way, me, the son of man, the Messiah, I'm going to have to suffer. I'm going to have to suffer many things and I'm going to die. And Peter, raise your hand if you can identify with Peter. Peter rises up at this point. I can just imagine like rising like this, you know, like he's like, oh my gosh, we just had this enlightenment about who you are. And now all of a sudden you're saying that you're going to have to suffer and die. I mean, isn't it right for Peter to get a little mad about that? And so Peter rises up and almost like I can imagine getting in Jesus face on this road trip. Right. And he's like, say it isn't so, Jesus, you won't die. We that can happen and just as equally jesus rises back up to peter and he's like get behind me satan because you only have the things of man on your mind right now not the things of god what a crazy moment and let me just tell you if you were any kind of conflict averse you would have been like in the back seat like holy moly I mean, it had to be a tense moment. How can they go from this? Imagine it. The disciples were just enlightened enough 
to proclaim who Jesus is for the first time. And then in the very next breath, Jesus is having to rebuke them because they only have the things of men in their mind and not the things of God. If that is not like black and white, if that is not high and low, if that is not a dichotomy, then I don't know what is. But I have to tell you, I can relate. <laughs> Praise God for his grace. Amen? How many of you can relate to that? One minute you are like in the spirit and you are having things revealed to you that only the spirit can reveal and the next minute you're in your flesh. And all of a sudden, something that is, you know that it's just the yuck in you coming out. You know, I know not all of us are married, but an easy example for me is in marriage. One minute, I am like on it, and there is just something that even as it's coming out of my mouth to encourage John, I just know it's the Lord. And then the next minute, he does something that's so frustrating, and something else flies out of my mouth, and I almost wish that I could like grab it and get it back in because I'm afraid that it came out. This is the kind of thing that just happened. Man, it's an ironic story, and it's a crazy story, but again, the conversation continues, and they must have kept walking in this time because we see them come and more people are added all of a sudden, and there's something important that I'm going to point out about this. So Peter is just risen up against Jesus and said, say it isn't so, I can't even bear the thought of you uh, dying. And Jesus has risen back up and been like, you only have the things of man on your mind. That is not the Lord. You need to get behind me because I'm going to do what I need to do to be about my father's business, right? And then they come to the crowd. So they get into this crowd and Jesus calls the people to himself. You all, that's verse 34. In my New King James, it says, when he had called the people to himself with his disciples also. And I think we just want to breeze by that statement. But let me tell you, friends, that is good news. Because you got to think, all in this conversation, all on this road trip, the highs and the lows, the shallows and the deeps, everything that they've just talked about, right? Jesus Christ has been revealed as the Messiah. And then Peter freaks out and then Jesus rebukes him and then shame would tell us that they need to separate and not talk for a while but what does Jesus do right after he rebukes Peter and tells him to get behind me Satan he calls them to himself if that is not a shepherd's heart I don't know what is what a beautiful picture and it's so ironic because the disciples just messed up by acting out of their flesh. And I can relate. And instead of like hiding in shame, Jesus is like, come here. I got something else to tell you. <laughs> what an amazing thing, right? And he's like, I'm going to tell you more about you and your identity. And that too, friends, applies to us. So Jesus says this statement that's so profound, but I'm going to warn you right now as we walk through it, it is really hard. It's very simple and very not easy in our flesh. So Jesus goes, 
in verse 35. No, the end of verse 34. And he says, whoever desires to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. That's one command, friends, but it has three different parts, and we're going to kind of break that down because this is still part of that crux of this conversation that is like the highlight, so far at least, of everything that we've been through in Mark. And it's three parts. The first part, deny yourself. We talk about this all the time at New City, Galatians 2.20, that I am not living anymore, but Christ lives in me. I'm dead right? I'm a dead woman walking. What does that mean? I don't, dead people, they don't have desires anymore, do they? <laughs> it's a super simple thing. God is first now because it's Christ who lives in me. So therefore, it should be Christ's desires in me. It's really simple, friends, but it's really hard. I mean, let's get real. You know, the disciples up to this point, and all of Jews, all of God's people, right? They've lived under the law, and the law was complicated, and sometimes it was really, really hard. But really, it's arguable that at the end of the day, as long as they tried to follow the law as much as they could, they could do whatever they want and achieve whatever they want. And friends, let me tell you, that's not true anymore. You are to deny yourself under the submission of Christ, which brings us to the second point, and that's take up your cross. And it's all about submission, folks. So take up your cross. This idea was not uncommon in the day. Rome practiced crucifixion. So people would have known what they were talking about when Jesus said, take up your cross, because what would happen is the person in authority over the one who had committed the crime would someone would build their cross, the one they were going to be crucified, and then they would make them carry that cross to the place of crucifixion. And this was a sign. It was a sign of the person in authority. It was a sign of the person who committed the crime under submission of that person in authority. It was a sign to all of the public about what was going to happen. And what was going to happen was death. And the person was willingly carrying the means to their death. Now, how is that good news to us? It's good news because we're the same way, friends. Taking up our cross means that we are willingly submitting to the authority of Jesus. Only our taskmaster is not a slave driver, right? He calls himself a friend. And so Jesus asking us to take up our cross really looks like the same kind of thing in the sense of I'm going to show the whole of creation what I'm about to do. I'm in the business of dying. But we know it doesn't end there because of Christ's resurrection. Amen. And so our taking up our cross becomes a joy. Because it becomes an idea of, yeah, you better believe I'm in submission to that guy. His name is Jesus, and he's the Messiah. And so I will willingly carry that with me. And then the third part of that is to follow Jesus. It's a one-way journey, right? Jesus, on his way to the cross, 
even when he had a hard time, even when he pleaded with the Father, he still carried through to the end, right? There was no turning back. There was no running away. There was no being the old person. It was only going to the end. And it's the same with us, right? There is no turning back. Jesus didn't turn back to the old way of doing life, and he doesn't want us to turn back to the old way of us doing life either. So denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus can all become joys for us to do based on the previous knowledge that really it comes from a heart of Jesus calling us to himself. Amen. Now, why is this so important and so cool as part of the story of Mark? Because we started Mark and we started off with a bunch of stories of Jesus really explaining the kingdom of God. Because people didn't really know. They were kind of confused. Some of them thought that Jesus was going to come and be a governmental ruler. And so Jesus really had to get a couple things straight with the people. So the first part of Mark was all about that kingdom. What is the kingdom going to look like? How is it going to operate? How, how does it work? What does it look like in the kingdom of God? And then just previously to what we just talked about today, we get this revelation of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the way to get into the kingdom, right? And so we know what the kingdom is. We know how it's going to operate. And now we know how we get into the kingdom. And then we're left with this crazy prophetic statement. And it is found in 9-1. Jesus says, Assuredly, I say to you that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. So what does this mean? Jesus then takes three of his disciples and he goes up on a mountain. It's this crazy story. You should read it. We don't have time today. He gets transfigured before them. He's in gleaming white clothes. Moses joins him on one side. Elijah joins him on the other side. It's a great symbolic picture of how Jesus fulfilled Moses, which is the law, and Elijah, which is prophecy. And these disciples get to see it. That statement of, surely I say to you, some of you won't pass away before you see the kingdom of God. He reveals that to these disciples, right? And then they don't know what to do with themselves. <laughs> they have another moment of, I don't know what to do. And so they suggest some things that aren't really the Lord. The story gets over. They come down off the mountain. They see a man. The man has a boy who is possessed. The man asks for healing for his son. Jesus confronts him with his hidden need, which is unbelief. And the man humbly submits to that and asks forgiveness. And we see that the boy's healed. And then Jesus finishes this conversation with his disciples. And again, he sits him down because this is really important. And if you remember just a little bit ago, Peter really rose up against this part of the conversation. So he has it with him again. And he's just like, hey, listen, I got to tell you, the Son of Man came to accomplish these things. He will suffer. He will die. But on the third day, 
he will be raised again in all of his glory. And all of these things that you just saw and you just heard about and we just talked about, about the kingdom and about how you get into the kingdom and about how I've fulfilled a bunch of the things that we've talked about before according to the law and the prophecies, all of these things will be fulfilled through me. Amen. And what do the disciples do? They get up and they go, woohoo. No, they don't do that at all. <laughs> They're left confused again. And sometimes I wonder just how much like the disciples I am. Jesus tells me something amazing and I'm just left confused. But the whole point of the story, for today at least, is found back in the beginning. Jesus asked the disciples a question and he says, who do you say that I am? And I just think the weight of that question is really heavy. Not in a bad sense, but in a sense of one that we all need to answer. We said it when we introduced the book of Mark, that the prevailing question that Mark asks is Jesus is saying to you, who do you think that I am? So I want to just take a minute. You're more than welcome to type in and we can talk about it that way you're more than welcome to talk with people if they're at your house or your home I know that uh, I've got myself locked in my bedroom but I have five other people downstairs because Jesus is asking you who do you say that I am and the way that you answer that question will drastically affect the way that you live your life as a Christ follower. I hope that you've made it to the point where you can say that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and that he's not just the Messiah, but he's mine. And if you haven't, I would just encourage you to call one of us and we can talk to you about that. Maybe you've been at that point for a long time where Jesus Christ is my Messiah. He has saved me from despair. He has saved me from death. And I am now in everlasting life with him. But I tell you what, friends, sometimes it's good to remember. It's good to define who is Jesus to me today. Because we are asking as New City, how do we share the light of Christ with those around us? And part of that way is through our own story. And how are we to share a story about when I gave my life to Christ 20 some years ago? Doesn't it have a greater effect if I can define who Jesus was to me this morning? So I would just encourage you, take some time this week. Ask yourself, Jesus, who are you to me? Who have I believed you to be and who do you want to be? Because I guarantee you, he might blow your socks off. You might just have a moment like the disciples had where he is revealed to you and it's only by the power of the Holy Spirit that you can answer. And then the second question and we'll close is that are there any areas where you have the concerns of men on your mind rather than the concerns of God? I just encourage you to take some time in prayer. 
over these two questions. Reach out to us if you'd like, and then we can chat about it. Because the way we answer those questions will drastically affect how we live during this time. Amen. So before we sign off, let me tell you a few announcements and then we'll go. I hope you guys are having a blessed week. I'm praying that the Holy Spirit meets each one of you right where you're at, whether you're working or whether you're stayed at home, whether you're taking care of kids or whether you're in school. So what I want to offer you as part of our new city leadership team is that we are going to start a prayer initiative together. The logistics of this are a little bit shaky, so we totally appreciate your grace during this time, but you can bank on the fact that starting this Wednesday, this Wednesday, so three days from now, at noon and at 7 p.m., we will have prayer via a Zoom call. Now, the logistics of signing up for that we will get out to you. Uh, Thomas is working on the logistics and Mel, so thank them so much for that. But then after Wednesday, it's going to be three times a week. It'll be Wednesday and Friday and then Monday and then Wednesday, Friday, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And it'll be at noon and seven. And that's just a time that anyone can hop on. We encourage you for as much or as little time as possible. Uh, 5, 10, 15, 30 minutes, whatever it is, and we can pray together as the church. We can pray for felt needs. We can pray for hidden needs. We can pray for our nation. Um, it'll just be a time for community and for prayer. And that'll be via Zoom, and we'll get information out to you later this week. The other thing that I wanted to let you guys know is that we will have a daily devotional through Psalms for you all starting tomorrow, Monday, starting in Psalm 1, led by Melody. And there will be a lot of different faces that you see after that. And those will be available via Facebook video or Instagram video. Again, that starts tomorrow on Monday, and we will have devotionals every day for you, except for Saturday and Sundays. And those will be going through the Psalms. And this is a way that we can just read the Psalms as kind of a prayer book and a worship book that it is. And we can just identify with the authors and really praise the Lord together during this time. So prayer initiative, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 12 and seven, and then daily devotionals starting tomorrow on Monday. And those will be Monday through Friday. So if you need prayer, email hello at newcity.lex and or you can call us uh, our interim leadership team is more than happy to Zoom call, to Google Hangout with you, to have a conversation over the phone. What you need is what we want to offer during this time. And I would encourage you just strongly from the Lord. Now is the time. Reach out to your neighbor. Learn their name. Figure out if they need something. Let us know. We want to help. So be praying we love you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I so wish that I could be there and see each one of you. I miss you all terribly. This extroverted mama's heart is going crazy. <laughs> going crazy not seeing you anyway. So 
be at peace in the Lord. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that your shalom, your wholeness, your wellness, your peace, and your health would be over each one of us in the name of Jesus. Amen.